Welcome back to the Loyal Sons podcast. That's at the Loyal Sons on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love the transfer portal and hate the impending fear that the pandemic is going to cancel our beloved sporting events, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sons podcast, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix. Today is Wednesday, December 29th, and it's bowl season. But more importantly, it's the holiday season. And more importantly, it's game week. I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful hosts, Squid and Dylan. Gentlemen, Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, fellas. I have COVID. So I'm in COVID. I'm in COVID protocol. So there's that. Dylan is in COVID. Yes. Dylan, despite COVID, he is uh, seeing this episode through uh, in quarantine, um, not in our shared home, which is really cool because uh, otherwise I would also be a dead guy. Um, Fortunately, the only disease that is being spread around my house is is pink eye, which Squid uh, learned apparently crashing on my couch about two weeks ago. Uh, so I guess not the healthiest podcast out there right now. No, everyone's banged up this late in the year. Um, you know, no one's 100% healthy. You just got to push through and uh, get to the finish line. So that's what we're trying to do here. Hey, and you know, we only have one more game. We just got to leave it all out on the field. Two more podcasts or however many. I guess we haven't really decided what we're going to do after the season. But we can figure that out at a later date. But more importantly, there is one more pit football game. And uh, we have to see this through. So uh, before we get too deep into that, why don't you guys tell me how your Christmases went? Did Santa Claus bring you everything you asked for? Well, uh, I know we put together a list a couple months ago uh, during the season, and um, a lot of a lot of our wishes did come true. A lot, of, a lot of those gifts we asked for were delivered, and um, I don't know. I, I I think I got just about everything I could have asked for from for uh, Pat Narduzzi, Kenny Pickett, and I guess I guess Santa Claus helped a little. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, we were pretty uh optimistic with our list here looking back on it i wasn't totally sure how many we were going to get from it we made 10 picks um we'll tweet this out if you missed it earlier but uh i'd be happy if we had like four or five we got a lot more than that we'll dive in here now and go through but santa was good to us because we were very good boys this year and rewarded with pit football success well, we were yeah, also so for, we we were very um, thankful. We we always said please and thank you before and after yeah, it, every game. So it just goes to show if you're if you're very good good sons and daughters, very good loyal sons and daughters, and you use your pleases and thank yous, uh, good things happen to you, and Santa Claus will reward you. So so just a little bit of background if you're a new listener that we have picked up since then. Um, our sixth episode, which 
I think was a bye week um, leading into the Virginia Tech game. Uh, we decided to kill some time by putting together kind of a Christmas in, I think it was a Christmas in October list, you know, get prepared for Santa Claus. And we put together a list of uh, 10 items um, that we want to see hit accomplish before the end of the season, 10, 10 things we wanted to see on and off the field uh, before, uh, you know, Christmas actually arrives. So we were, we were way ahead of our list. You know, usually, I don't know about you guys. Uh, I, I usually throw one together um, during my food coma after Thanksgiving dinner, but you know, we, we, we got on top of it early this year and you guys are right. Uh, looking at, looking back at this, we, did pretty well, like, like surprisingly well. Yeah. Some of them weren't overly optimistic. You know, our, our number one on the list being the football guys that we were, we were just looking ahead to the next game. Um, that was beat Virginia tech and beat Virginia tech. We sure did. We kicked the hell out of them down in Blacksburg. Um, Brad Braxton Burmeister probably still has nightmares about Kalaja Kansi on that, on that day. Um, well, yeah, he's transferring so he doesn't have to face him ever again. Exactly. But then number two, that was probably one of the more, I would say maybe more optimistic and bigger deals of this season was uh, the, the Kenny Pickett Heisman finalist. Yeah, we a little back and forth on this one for a minute. We thought it was possible. Then we lost the game. We thought it was out the window. But by golly, Kenny made it to New York. Yeah, and what what a ride that was. Honestly, if that was the only thing on the list we got right, I think it would have been worthwhile. Um, yeah, that's like Kenny, the PlayStation 5 that you asked for. It's, it's all you really wanted. If you don't get anything else, it's all worth it. Exactly, yeah. And we got our PlayStation 5, despite very limited availability. Uh, and, and, you know, Kenny came in third, which, you know, I think a lot of us thought he deserved better. But just the recognition alone between that and uh, you know, the fake slide and, and his, his general national profile, that was something I don't think we could have even imagined when we made this list, when he was starting to create a little bit of that noise. So um, exceeded our wildest dreams really. So number three, on our list is, is also a, a big one that we knocked down. Um, we asked Santa Claus for Pitt to be ranked in the top 25, literally at any point this season. And they are now sitting at number 12 with a chance to finish the season in the top 10. How did we, how did we get here? We are simple men. We don't ask for too much most of the time. So we thought we'll settle for that. Uh, Santa came through big time there. I, I'm speechless to think that we could still finish in the top 10. Yeah. Top 10 wasn't even on our radar. So, uh, I'll take, I'll take where we, where we, uh, are now. Number four, this is one of the few wishes that weren't granted, but you know, I, I won't harp on this one too much. Sell sell out a home game that we did not do, but I'll tell you what. 60,000 plus there for the Clemson game was one of the best atmospheres, if not the best atmospheres I've been a part of at Heinz Field. 
Yeah. Um, I was frankly a little disappointed with attendance this year, even as it became obvious that this was a real football team that we were, that we were looking at. Um, however, I have to imagine that that's going to change next year uh, with all the momentum we have now. And then uh, the team that we will be returning and kind of the name that Pitt has made for itself in this city and across the nation this year. Um, and, you know, the growing feeling that this wasn't just a one-off, this wasn't just a fluke, this is a program that is being built. I have to imagine we're going to get closer to those sellout numbers, especially week one against West Virginia. Uh, But it wasn't delivered this year, but Dylan, I agree. Uh, The atmosphere, you know, it it felt like that place was packed to the gills whenever we had close games against Clemson and North Carolina. Number five was another one that was kind of out there that we nailed. Uh, defensive player on first team All ACC, Kalijah Kansi, uh, rang true on that one. He was one of the couple guys we listed that had a shot. He probably had the best chance out of a couple guys who were in contention. Brandon Hill was mentioned. Sebastian Dennis had a big year. Didn't make first team. A lot of good linebackers out there, I guess, but. Uh, Kalaja Kansi stepped up big time down the stretch. And one of the reasons why we put this on our list was the pit defense was good at times, but not great. Not as great as we wanted it to be. We thought if somebody on this defense would step up and play to that caliber, it'll go a long way. And as we saw in the ACC championship game and a few other games, that was uh, very true. He was uh, a game wrecker. Yeah, and I think part of what's promising there, you mentioned a couple guys who ended up on the second team. Um, obviously, Voss, Brandon Hill, Haba was also a second team all ACC guy. So Pitt's bringing back four guys next year on next year's defense that it would have been either first or second team all ACC picks. So um, very promising that defense, you know, obviously losing some some guys at linebacker, um, depending on who decides to come back, who decides to forego their, their COVID year. But um, Pitt's going to bring a lot back on a defense that really just felt like it got better and better, especially near the end of the year. And in the second half of that Wake Forest game, I mean, basically dominated that game and won them the ACC championship. So very excited about uh, where, where that where those prospects uh, are looking for next season. Um, number six, this is another one that we even kind of outshot our wish um jordan addison bolitnikoff finalist friend of the pod um actually jordan addison bolitnikoff winner is what we got that was uh something that i think was maybe a bit of a stretch when we asked for it but as the season went on it became clear he was the best receiver in the country we thought it'd be sort of like the the highest been where the ohio states the alabamas they might not have the best stats but they got the name recognition and all that. So if Jordan gets there, we'll be happy. But he played so well, uh, it was undeniable. It would have been a tragedy if he didn't win it. Yeah, this was definitely one where at the time I kind of just thought it was us filling space on this list because uh, I, I didn't think it was going to happen. But his numbers really took off. Um after this week, because I remember this was the last week where I think not Jordan Addison let us in receiving, because um, Virginia Tech was uh, the big 
Jared Wayne game, right? He had a couple catches for about a hundred yards. Um, and, but he, Jordan Addison exploded after that. And uh, the rest is history. On the number seven, this was one where I think we'd be okay if this didn't happen. This is probably the bottom of our wish list of things that we wanted. Uh, we did not get it. As far as I can tell, we asked for a Kenny Pickett shotgun beer celebration. We wanted to bring it back. Uh, we did not get that. Although we didn't get any uh, shotgun beer celebrations after touchdowns on national TV, I'm sure Kenny Pickett had a couple of shotgun beer celebrations of his own. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take a half half point there, but um, you know, we, this is still probably one of the greatest moments in uh, pit football history is, is the, Pickett Morrissey shotgun beer celebration. And the only reason it's been knocked down a few pegs is because of how much Kenny accomplished this year. But um, still to this day, one of my favorite pit football memories. But wish we would have got another. We thought that would be something that would uh, boost his profile, get him viral on social media, and thus help his Heisman campaign. Uh, he didn't need any of that. He was able to get there off of talent and on-field success alone and the fake slide yeah he certainly had his share of iconic moments even without returning to the uh shotgun celebration number eight this was a good one this was a uh, one i'm very happy about and there's mm-hmm. no absolutely no debate whether or not we received it or not but that's a uh, finish better than penn state and uh, any metric you want to look at, wins, ranking, championships, you know. Oh, whoa, whoa, not anything. Got to take into account attendance. Oh, you're oh right. shit. Yeah. They got us in the well, missed that one. <laughs> but we'll take the other, you know, every other thing. Yeah, we definitely beat them in yellow outs. Am I right, guys? <laughs> but yeah, two years in a row, uh, better record than Penn State it kind of feels like the state is being dominated uh, to some degree. Am I right? Heard that. Heard that. More, more names on jerseys too. <laughs> more logos definitely on helmets. Less black cleats. And definitely less earth shattering scandals that our fan base still to this day uh, tries to defend. All right, anyway, number nine. <laughs> <laughs> number nine. Uh, this one was so specific. And we almost got it. And we almost got it. Uh, in fact, I think we should be allowed to retroactively change the wording of it. Um, it was a, a Kroll, almost called him Nick Kroll, a, a Lucas Kroll TD pass to Kenny Pickett, which was attempted about two weeks later against Miami. Yeah, there's two things that uh, get me up at night thinking about that. First is I believe that Mark Whipple saw our wish list. He saw that on our list and was like, you know what? I'm going to reward these kids. I'm going to draw this up and make it happen. Uh, Mark, if you're a listener, uh, thank you for trying that for us. But I almost wish you didn't try it for us. I wish you just let our Heisman candidate quarterback throw a pass himself because that was a pretty crucial situation that wasn't like 
garbage time for fun. That was like, we need to score a touchdown here. And it did not work. Yeah, and if we had scored there, we likely would have won that football game. Uh, and we would be 11-1, and one, or I'm sorry, 12-1 and one right now. And I don't think we would have made it into the playoff. In fact, I'd almost guarantee that even at 12-1, and one, we would not have made the playoff. Uh, but it would have been a little bit better. Uh, I think the even worse part of that play was um, <clears throat> Miami saw it coming from a mile away. They saw – they basically just ran the pit special again, uh, but this time with Kroll as the passer. And they had Pickett covered the entire way, and Kroll missed – a wide open Jordan Addison cutting across the middle. And even if, you know, that's not even a problem. You know, even, even if he, he doesn't see Jordan Addison, he could have fallen into the end zone from where he was standing and instead just blasted the ball through the uprights. Turns out we got a little greedy with that one and it may come back to haunt us, but, um, we appreciate the effort, and you know what? I, I think we might see a Gavin Bartholomew uh, touchdown pass next year. I'm going out, going out on a limb now. Um, it's going to be the Wildcat. Good things will happen. Last but not least, uh, we got this and more. Number ten on our list was go to a bowl game that doesn't suck. Not very specific, so we were open to. Uh, either a high caliber bowl game like a New Year's Six Bowl or just a bowl game in a cool place, like somewhere warm in Florida and not like Birmingham Detroit. the day after Christmas. Uh, we got that in more sweet city, uh, good opponent. Everything we could ask for. Everything we could ask for. At this point in the season, you know, New Year's Six was definitely a, a long shot. And I think at this point, I, I don't, we would have to go back, but I think at this point we were still hoping for, you know, eight and four, nine and three would have still been considered a wildly successful season. Mm. Um, and everything we've got was just so much more than we could have asked for. Even before the season, we were, we, everyone said, you know, eight and four, nine and three. When we dropped the Western Michigan game, the, the world was on fire and we were going to go five and seven um, to, to completely just rebound after that. And, um, finish the season how we did um, get most of our wish list granted I have to say this was truly a magical season for pit football and made these holidays that much sweeter yeah this has been an absolute dream season I think we're going to do a little bit more of a recap uh, you know after the Michigan State game to really say our piece and and uh, and say goodbye to what has been a really special run, but uh, gentlemen, it has been a blast. This is nothing, this is unlike anything, you know, this program has seen in 40 years. And we're not done yet. Moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat me a lot of peaches. As I'm sure many of you noticed, the Loyal Sons did not record a podcast uh, the week of Christmas. Um, it simply would have been a logistical nightmare, and none of you would have listened to it because it was an off week, and many of you have, like, 
families and shit or whatever. Uh, but there actually was a decent amount of news that came out uh, from the pit program since our last episode. So why don't we run through it? Uh, obviously, the biggest news to come out of the last two weeks has been the commitment from two-time All-Pac-12 quarterback, uh, USC transfer Keaton Slovis. Uh, Squid Dylan, what was your reaction to finding out that Slovis was going to be a Panther this season? It was sweet. Um, I think after the season we had, Pitt fans thought we can be a real contender for getting uh, top guys in the transfer portal. I'm not sure if we thought we would get one of, if not the top quarterbacks in the transfer portal. And we did. So that shows you what uh, people around the country are thinking of Pitt. Keaton and Slovis had interest from probably every team that needed a quarterback. Notre Dame was uh, reaching out to him. So the fact that we were able to land the guy who was that coveted uh, is big. For me, the feeling was similar to, I'm not going to say it was equal to, because nothing will be equal to that that day. But it, it was kind of similar to when Kenny Pickett announced he was coming back uh, for a fifth season, um, you know, at the time, you know, obviously it's different circumstances. We still have the Peach Bowl for this season. Uh, last year, the season was over. But for all intents and purposes, you know, looking ahead to the next season, the big question mark was quarterback. And it's like, you know, what are our really – what are our honest expectations of this team with what we have at quarterback right now? Um, obviously, we knew Pitt was going to pursue a transfer portal quarterback, but didn't really know who they'd be able to land. Would it be a guy who can come in and, you know – elevate this team right away is it just the guy who can compete with patty and bevel and then we go and land a guy who has done it at the power five level through for 3500 yards and 30 touchdowns as a true freshman um i was psyched and i'm still psyched about it i can't wait uh to see you know once he gets into the program the things we hear about him but for you know all around it's just it's a big deal for this program to, to go out and land a guy like that and i mean you could see even the reaction from you know national writers and uh, people all around, you know, obviously on Twitter, but all around the country, the ACC, and just saying, you know, this kind of puts Pitt in the driver's seat uh, to, you know, repeat as coastal winners next year and put themselves in a chance, put themselves in a position with a chance to repeat as ACC champs. Yeah, the last time we spoke, uh, I believe Chubba Purdy was the uh, – consensus favorite to be Pitt's big and I say big in air quotes uh quarterback transfer name um and you know no no knocks to Purdy he's obviously a talent four-star out of college looked pretty decent in limited time at Florida State but uh he's had exactly that limited time at Florida State he was their second or third string quarterback uh haven't seen a ton out of him um Keaton Slovis, on the other hand, before this season was discussed as a potential top five NFL pick. And now he obviously fell out of, you know, that that tier because of, uh, you know, there's been some injuries to his shoulder and his elbow. uh, And then USC in general has just been a massive mess firing Clay Helton uh, three or four weeks into the season. So uh, that in some split playing time kind of dampened his momentum and I think resulted in his transfer. 
but I, it can't be overstated how huge of a grab this is for Pitt. Um, a huge grab that I think the three of us were very, very early on. Yes, we did some uh, online digging. Apparently, we were one of the first, if not the first people to bring to Panther Nation's attention that Keaton Slovis' girlfriend was the captain of the Pitt women's soccer team. So right away, there's that potential connection. Keaton said it didn't influence his choice very much. And that she uh, was pretty upset that it didn't influence his choice that much. But that's his starting point. You have to have some initial connection. You're not just going to go out of the blue, pick a school across the country, uh, especially one. Well, no, Pitt was on the rise. You're not taking a, a leap of faith, per se. You're bringing back an entire offensive line, which we'll touch on. The Boletnikov winner, a really good defense. It's a good situation all around, and uh, I think the stars just kind of aligned, and it was the right choice for him. I, th- I think one of the most telling parts of this transfer for me was uh, when Keaton Slovis said, you know, he, he's coming to Pitt because he wants to win now. Like, he wants to come to a team where he can contend and win. All right, Pitt just got a, a quarterback who is leaving USC to come play for Pitt because he wants to win. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, like, play that back and listen to it again. Like, that is unbelievable for a guy leaving a blue blood, one of the most historic college football programs ever. He's coming to Pitt because he wants to win. And I, I think that alone should should excite Pitt fans and, and should, you know, it, it gives me a sense of, you know, maybe things are actually really starting to – the tide's really starting to change here and – and Pitt's really on the rise, and this wasn't just a flash in the pan big season because, you know, the greatest player to play for this program in the last 40 years decided to come back for a fifth year. I don't want to get off of the Keaton Slovis topic right away, but another transfer that Pitt is looking at is uh, Kanata Mumfield. He's a receiver from Akron who put up really good numbers as a freshman at Akron, which says a lot. And I had a, a realization while I was looking at his recruitment he tweeted out that LSU offered him a scholarship. And I'm like, well, there goes that. The ship has sailed. It'll probably go to LSU. But then I sat back for a moment and thought, it might be a better situation than LSU. Can you believe that? No. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I, I'm not even 100% certain I agree with you, but there is merit to what you're saying, um, a coaching change, a pretty precarious quarterback situation, um, and uh, you know, just a, a program that's kind of been sputtering a little bit recently. And I guess it's less to take away from LSU as it is to say uh, Pitt will have a top-tier quarterback next year, as well as a very experienced offensive line blocking for him and a series of weapons that will uh, allow Mumpfield to, uh, you know, draw single coverage essentially. Uh, And, you know, he'll be able to learn from uh, the Blitnikoff winner, but it's just, it just kind of goes with this overall theme that Pitt has become an attractive destination. When we tweeted about Slovis's ties to Pittsburgh, I think we were kidding. Like I, I know 
on my end, I thought we were just kind of being dickheads trying to like start a rumor. And uh, what do you know? He, he looked at Pitt and saw the same things that the three of us see, you know, a, a deeply talented roster, a lot of, you know, returning guys and, and a coach who's done a really great job to shape the culture here. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting um, seeing, you know, I think it gave a bit of rejuvenation to the Pitt fan base in this lull of, you know, the month between the conference championship and the bowl game um, gave us all something to get excited about and really got a lot of people excited for next year. Conveniently, right around the time where it, it was about time to start renewing your season tickets, um, mm. you know, increasing attendance next year, big, big name transfer quarterback coming off a championship. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think we can say enough about how big of a deal uh, the slowest transfer is. Um, not to take away, you know, I don't want to take away from Nick Patty. He, he's got a chance. He's got a nice little audition for himself in this Peach Bowl game. Oh, um, yeah. So I, I'm excited to watch him sling it. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, adding a guy who's the, the offensive freshman of the year in a Power 5 conference two years ago, a guy who um, – has thrown for a ton of yards and a ton of touchdowns against power five competition. Um, I, I don't think you can overstate how big it is. So uh, he's top five in passing yards at USC and he's essentially played two seasons at USC his freshman year, which he, you know, he made his first start in the second game of the year. He had the shortened COVID year and then played about half the time this year. And he was able to climb into Southern California's top five passing yards. They've had a few decent quarterbacks over the years. Yeah, just a couple. So in other pit news, uh, we mentioned it, returning our entire offensive line next year. There was some expectation, I believe, that uh, um, Marcus Minor would leave for the NFL draft. Um Carter Warren was a name. He turned down a senior bowl invite to come back. So he was going to have some serious NFL buzz, whether that was being drafted or at the bare minimum getting signed to a team. So the fact that he was willing to turn that down shows he has a lot of faith in uh, returning to pit with the other hogs up front. Yeah, I think, you know, just looking at, the options those guys had. I'll be honest, I wasn't as surprised that a few of the other guys came back. Um, but Carter Warren was the one that I just kind of assumed, you know, he has a pretty good chance to get drafted. He'll be gone. Um, the fact that all these guys are coming together and deciding to run it back again just, just makes me think. Um, and I think it speaks volumes that, you know, this culture that people talk about w- within the pit program, you know, not a lot of players transferring out, not a lot of guys. You don't, you don't hear of a lot of no internal issues guys get along it seems like all that that chatter we hear um this is something that is actually like tangible and you can see like okay maybe there is a real family a real brotherhood uh in that in that locker room and it's it's great to see because you know the more veteran guys you have these older guys you have especially with the covid year i mean that's a big advantage to bring back you know an offensive line unit that not only was good, this year, but they were they were really good by the end of the year. Like, yeah, th- this was a unit that was not was not just average. I mean, we're bringing back a good offensive line with a year of experience. It's it's I mean, 
once again, I don't think you can overstate how big of a how big of a deal it is. And on top of that, uh, it reminds me of something that Jordan Addison said at some point this year when they asked him about uh, his expectations whenever Kenny said he was coming back, and he said Kenny wasn't coming back uh, for no reason. He came back to win, and I think these guys are in the same boat. They thought if we all come back, that'll make a difference, and they want to be back. It's not Narduzzi twisting arms, begging guys to stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys want to be here, and they have uh, a really good chance, and they know it. I'm very excited that Slovis is going to step in week one with an offensive line that already has it figured out. Um, I, w- I will say there are, as excited as I am for this line to stay, um, the entire line, there are a couple guys I, I do still hope to see sneak into the lineup next year. Um, you know, our offensive line was great. Not going to take anything away from them, but I, I do think that there are some guys waiting behind them that have more potential than some of the starters. Um, we always hear great things about Gonsalves, uh, Ryan Jacoby. I, how, how effusively did Dayon uh, praise Ryan Jacoby when he was on the pod last week. Uh, that is a guy who could very well step in and get some playing time. Uh, Zubovic, did I say that right? Zubovic. You would think living in Pittsburgh as long as I have, those Eastern European names would come a little bit easier. Uh, but I, you guys know what I mean. Yeah, but Yenzers um, pronounce them all different. So that's Zubovic, true. Zubovic, that's true. Zubovic, you know, it, it could be any of those. Yeah, so him... <laughs> that guy uh and then you know we have ryan bayer coming in so I'd, I'd love to see some guys get mixed in especially because again there were some guys on the line that started this year and not going to name any names that underwhelmed me a little bit owen drexel uh that i can't foresee uh starting all 12 to 14 games next year owen drexel um who you know maybe had to be pulled in order for us to succeed in the acc championship owen drexel well, that's a thing. We mixed in a good amount of guys this year. There are times where even without injuries, guys were rotated in towards the end of the game, just stay fresh. And they knew they wouldn't miss a beat if we plug one guy in here for another guy or worst case scenario, guys get hurt. We're in a good shape. It's not like uh, if we have one fly drop, that entire side of the line is decimated. And that just shows that Narduzzi has got a good thing going here with depth. If, uh, real next man up I sunk a football coach uh so yeah yeah I think you know it's just really I really think the continuity on the offense next year is going to be a big thing um I know we'll talk a little bit about the OC but the that OC job has to be a pretty attractive one to to you know oh, outsiders yeah. looking in you went bringing in a big big name transfer quarterback and returning just about everyone from an offense last year, just losing, uh, you know, Lucas Carl, who will be missed, but uh, Gavin Bartholomew, you know, was a freshman all American tight end. So um, the, the cupboard's full with weapons and uh, mm-hmm. Jared, Jared Wayne, Jordan Addison, uh, Ben Akanda, Rodney Hammond, Vincent Davis, Gavin Bartholomew. I mean, I can go on and on and on and, um, it has the makings of a, of a very special offense once again next year. I think I could call plays and succeed with all those weapons. 
I've played enough NCAA football in my day to know how to run an offense. Just just hit the ask Corso button over and over. Yeah, or just sort yeah. by uh, place to number three. Yeah, I don't know, Squid. I feel like you would really want to uh, to run a triple option. I just don't know if that's going to work with the personnel we have. I got my peaches out in Georgia. Oh, yeah, shit. I get my weed from California. That's that shit. I took my chick up to the north, yeah. Badass bitch. I get my light right from the source, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Pitt is in a rare position where uh, there are not many question marks remaining for the 2022 uh, season, and we have not even yet completed the 2021 season. Uh, That one question mark, of course, as Dylan mentioned, is the uh, offensive coordinator vacancy. Um, There's been a a much to do, much hubbub, if you will, uh, over who will fill in that role. And, uh, you know, a little bit, a not insignificant amount of drama associated with it as well. Well, I, I think, you know, the early, early popular candidate in pit circles was, you know, just promote Brennan Marion. Um, and that's kind of become a bit of a sideshow itself uh, mm-hmm. with, with Coach Marion's social medias, uh, you know, seems, seems to really want to promote himself for the job. And uh, now his name has been rumored, you know, at Colorado as an OC, at Texas as a receivers coach. Um, but I, it really feels to me that Pitt's holding out and th- they're working on something bigger. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit in the last pod about, you know, what the the OC situation, you know, we don't want to let a guy like Brennan Marion go. But I think I mentioned that this is a chance for Narduzzi coming off ACC championship with all these weapons, especially adding Slovis now, but, you know, with some success to really go out and make a splash higher, you know, maybe squeeze a few dollars out of Heather likes checkbook. uh, Yeah. More than he would have, you know, in in any other year. And he has a chance to really go get a big name, a big time OC. And I think that's what they're trying to do. Um, I, I, you know, Brennan Marion, did an amazing job with the receivers this year the, the steps they made this year you know huge jordan addison blitnikoff winner whatever you guys never called plays at the power five level um it's called plays at howard william and mary but it's a big difference than from from there to the acc so i i don't blame coach narduzzi and i really do hope he goes and gets a, a sweet offensive coordinator that we can all get excited about yeah i'm a big marion guy but I agree with Dylan. I think it's a bit risky to pull the trigger on him right now. I think in an ideal scenario, you'd either keep Whipple or hire somebody who fills that spot for a couple of years and then uh, promote Barry. And then when you think he's a little bit more mm-hmm. ready, he's more familiar with uh, coaching at the power five level. But I don't think that's something in uh, the Brennan Marion's uh, willing to do. I think he's ready to make a jump and, the timing just isn't right at Pitt. So tough to see him go, but it's understandable. I guess life goes on and we'll we'll be able to get somebody. Pitt, Pitt's a nice destination right now. So yeah, I'm not I, gonna get uh all down in the dumps about losing a position coach. Unless it's yeah, uh, I, Charlie Partridge. Pay that man whatever <laughs> he wants. 
Uh, yeah, Charlie Partridge uh, returning to pit next year, uh, as first reported by Charlie Partridge in our DMs, telling us that Charlie Partridge <laughs> wasn't leaving and that our tweet was wrong. Sorry again, Coach. Very happy to keep you. Um, that was the last time we try to be news breakers. Uh, but either way, yeah, no, John, I really agree with you. Uh, losing Brennan Marion would be uh, pretty big because I, I think he's a huge talent, although I'm not going to sit here and say uh, – that you know his social media antics as of the past month won't you know dampen the sting of him leaving uh i think that he's shown a little bit of a lack of maturity that you'd like to see in your offensive coordinator um you know openly begging and campaigning uh for that role but we'll see what happens i i I do think Dylan's right. This is an unprecedented opportunity for Pitt to open up the checkbook for Narduzzi to go back to Heather like and say, <clears throat> you know, hey, let me strike while the iron is hot. Uh, please, please let me make a big ticket higher. And I think uh, that that's something that he can work into his extension talks that are upcoming. Because I don't know if you guys recall that press conference, that joint press conference they did for the peach bowl where they talked about how they were working on uh some manner of compensation for you know narduzzi's uh increased successes and i think something that he i think he can leverage this opening to ask for more money for his assistance and his future hires and i think that would be a galaxy brain move on his part any wish list names you guys have doesn't matter how outrageous or how Eric uh... be enemy. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I, I have heard Chris Beatty tossed around a lot. I don't know how, the, how excited that gets me. Um, yeah, obviously coach Beatty recruited well here, um, was poached by the NFL. Um, but you know, I, I want more, Some, something I just want more than that. Um, but we'll see. His receivers weren't too weren't too great when he was here. They dropped a lot of passes. I'm not going to blame that all on him, but the receivers got a lot better when he went. Just saying. He was a great recruiter, and you know, considered a very good football mind when he was here. And I think that's what excites people. But yeah, I definitely have hangups when you're promoting a receivers coach whose receivers were bad. Yeah, on top of that, his resume doesn't really wow you when you look back at it. He's been a lot of places and he's called plays at the Power Five level before, but it's pretty limited. He was the associate head coach and the co-host at Maryland for a year. Uh, I don't know. I think Pitt can do better than that, unless Narduzzi really thinks highly of him. I'd don't see it happening. I think uh, the word on the street is at the coaches conference, college coaches conference in January is whenever all this goes down, coaches meet up and the interviews will happen. So hopefully by then we'll uh, hear some news and hear of some interviews. Cause right now I'm not really entertained by seeing people say they want Tom Herman or Dan Mullen or whatever random former head coaches they can name just because they're big names when in reality, they probably won't consider this job at all. Like Matt Canada gets thrown around a lot. I 
pass. That ship, that ship has sailed. One pass. Yeah. Two, I think Narduzzi's burned that bridge. Yeah. Oh, Narduzzi napalmed that bridge. <laughs> there is there is nothing left. That water is not getting traversed. That is, there's no way. If you're thinking Matt Canada, yeah, bury that thought. Um, yeah, I, I think the annoying part for talking heads like us is that so few names have been tossed around. And like the three most prominent names that have been mentioned are current or firm or formal that current or former pit employees. So there's really not much to go off of here. Narduzzi's really keep keeping this uh, close to the vest. I, I would bet that the guy they ultimately hire, uh, none of us have heard the name thrown out there yet. I, I would bet it's something like that. Um, keeping it close to the vest and um, keep it under wraps. And, and like you said, it, a lot of it will probably go down at the coaches convention. And um, I'm sure the rumors start to swirl once that, once that breaks, but um, whoever it is, uh, you know, Deuce has, Deuce has had a hell of a last 12 months. So I trust him to make the right hire here. Yeah. He's done a good job hiring OCs. So. Oh. Except Sean Watson, but yeah. And Mark Whipple for two years, but. <laughs> Worked but out he, a lot. Redeem himself. But yeah. side note, I can't wait to watch Mark Whipple call plays next year. And then subsequently follow Nebraska fans on Twitter. Get ready for first drives of jet sweeps and mobile screens. Does Nebraska have any five foot eight running backs? No, no, because they're a Big Ten school and no running back weighs under 220. All right, fellas, we got one last ride in us. Thursday night, the Pitt Panthers take on number 10 Michigan State in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Pitt's first NY6 slash BCS appearance since getting railroaded in the early 2000s by Urban Meyer, Alex Smith, and the Utah Utes. I believe that was the 2004 Fiesta Bowl, correct? Yep, uh, 2004 season, 2005 year. But yeah, same thing. Same team. Same team. Pitt will be missing Heisman finalist Kenny Pickett as he has opted to focus on the upcoming NFL draft. Uh, Not to be outdone, Michigan State will be missing their top player, Kenneth Walker III, uh, the running back that finished sixth in Heisman voting. Uh, so we will be seeing some younger iterations of both of these squads coming out. How do you guys think it'll impact the game? I'm hopeful that Nick Paddy can step right in and, uh, obviously it's, this is not going to be Kenny Pickett, but I think he can step in, do a good job. I mean, all the weapons are there. He shouldn't have that difficult of a job getting the ball to Jordan Addison, the running backs, the other line are firing all cylinders. So I'm not very worried about that transition. I think uh, Michigan State's offense missing Kenneth Walker 
plays very well into our hands. I, I'm always of the opinion that running backs are fairly interchangeable. Not when you have a running back like Kenneth Walker, who had an unbelievable season and you know was was a Heisman was a Heisman finalist, dark horse if you will for a while. Um, but I feel like running backs are a little more plug and play. Uh, you know, if if the rest of the offensive line's intact and the rest of the run game still, you know mostly the same I'm, I'm sure Michigan State has been able to recruit some some big big dudes who can run fast play running back um, I'm sure you know it's not gonna be apples to apples but uh, I, I do think you know Pickett being out is the bigger deal um, no no disrespect to the Patty wagon Nick Patty but uh, I think you know Kenny Pickett was unreal this year he's gonna be a first round NFL draft pick we really haven't seen Nick Patty play a, a full football game since you know they narrowly escaped losing to Delaware a couple of years ago so um, I'm, I'm a little worried about it but I, I do think they can get the job done and I'll be interested to see if Tim Salem tries to lean a little more on the running game um, that than Mark Whipple had you know throughout the season. Could this finally be the uh, big Izzy game that we've been predicting every week this season? Which I guess we got against Virginia Tech. It goes both ways because on one hand, Nick Patty is out. So you think, let's just run the ball a bit more to take the pressure off of him. But Michigan State's secondary is so bad, you almost have to keep trying to pass as long as Nick Patty looks uh, half decent. They're 130th out of 130 FBS teams in pass defense. That That's a stat right there and they still went 11 and 2 in the big 10 that should tell you everything you need to know about the quarterback play in the big 10 yeah i mean they all just shredded uh they all just shredded michigan state and still couldn't beat them i think i think cj stroud threw for no less than a million yards against i think he had like Two incompletions. It was two or three incompletions. It was outrageous. I remember we were tailgating uh, whenever Ohio State and Michigan State played, and I pulled up uh, C.J. Stroud's stat line, and I saw it, and at that moment I knew uh, Pickett had some work to do to be a Heisman contender because it was undeniable. It was video game numbers, and there are a lot of teams that put up video game numbers on the secondary which is why I kind of want to see Kenny Pickett go out for one more time just to see if we get like like 750 or something crazy. Why not? Our Kenny Pickett stat line predictions would be so outrageous if you were playing. <laughs> They'd be straight up comical. No, I'm upset that Pickett's not going to be playing, but I think fundamentally this game, you know, still favors us. This matchup favors us rather. Um I mean, you have a run-first football team that can't defend the pass. What do we know about Pitt's defense? It sells out to take away your ability to run the football. What do we know about Pitt's offense? They have all of the tools necessary to attack you through the air. I, I still think it heavily favors Pitt. It's going to be closer than I would have anticipated without Pickett there, but I just think it's going to be awesome that we – We'll get the opportunity to see Nick Patty literally play for his football future out there. 
Yeah, I mean, even if he's not auditioning for the pit starting job next year, um, maybe he's, you know, giving an, giving an audition for some other programs elsewhere who are looking for quarterbacks. Um, you know, I don't know if, if Nick Patty would ever leave. He might just be that much of a loyal son. He wants to come in and compete for the starting job next year. But things sure will get interesting if he comes in and just lights it up and wins them the Peach Bowl. Yeah, that'd be a Jake from Justin Fields situation. Everyone thinks Fields, the backup, is the better quarterback, but Jake from just took you to a national championship, so how can you bench him? It's it's a tough line to walk if you're the one in charge of making the quarterback decisions. Yeah, didn't that work out, like, historically poorly for Georgia, and now that's held up as the example of uh, why loyalty is sort of short-sighted? because Fields would have taken that team to a national championship and possibly won it, but they and stuck with Fromm. Instead, he just ended up taking Ohio State to a national championship, so. Uh-huh. That being said. But, but yeah, Squid, I get what you're saying, yeah. I think it'll come down to the spring and fall camps. I think what Nick Patty does today will be great if he has a great game. Pitt fans are feeling really good because even if Slovis doesn't come in and light it up in camp and Patty beats him out, you're still feeling okay because Nick Patty's uh, he has something tangible you can look at and isn't just like coming in for a drive here and there or playing against Delaware. Uh, so I think if he plays well, worst case scenario uh, we have one good quarterback. Well, if, we, if there's any discussion of a quarterback competition going into spring camp, we'll know Pitt won the Peach Bowl and that Patty looked good doing it. So let's mm-hmm. keep our fingers crossed for that. Um, because I do think it would be big. I, I, you know, at this point, there's a lot of talk of the importance of bowl games, um, glorified exhibition games, guys opting out. But at the end of the day, you know, in 10 years, I don't think people are going to remember who didn't play in this game, but we can look back and say, you know, Pitt won a New Year's Six Bowl in 2021, and they won 12 games and went 12-2. and two. So uh, I still think this game is fairly significant for the program, and I'm, I'm still very excited for it. Um, and a little, you know, I think uh, on the day of the game, I'll get, I'll get butterflies about it. Now I'll be really nervous in the fourth quarter if it's closed. Oh, certainly. I mean, I'm still going to be bleeding my blue and gold regardless of who's under center. I just think it makes it a lot harder for us to sit here and uh, make conjecture about what this game's going to look like. Um, don't know a, We don't know a ton about Michigan State, especially Michigan State without Kenneth Walker. I mean, Michigan State is Michigan State. So they're going to have a really tough defensive line. They're going to have a game manager quarterback and uh, they're going to want to pound the rock and use like nine to 14 offensive linemen at once. Um, And they have Cam Hayward's younger brother at tight end, who is a absolute dog. Um, But it's just, this is so difficult to pin down without the two biggest names playing. Yeah, I'll circle back to what I said earlier about how I think this is like a pretty even uh, even matchup when you consider both Kennys are not playing. Kenny Pickett is 
arguably the best player, most valuable player in football. Like awards aside, he might be the most valuable player in football. But in this matchup, uh, not having Kenneth Walker is going to be massive. I know they'll still be able to run the ball. They're not going to reinvent the wheel and start aerating on us. But Kenneth Walker basically beat Michigan by himself. He rushed for 197 yards and had five touchdowns against Michigan. So as good as our defense is, you it'd be a tough task. It's going to be a big drop-off to whoever the next guy is, I think. Their second leading rusher this year was uh, Jordan Simmons, who ran for only 255 yards, did not score, uh, and averaged 4.7 yards a carry. Uh, he figures to take over the uh, the bulk of the carries out of that background. He is a software out of Marietta, Georgia. So still have to worry about a running back who wasn't inefficient in limited touches. Still have to worry about uh, a, a receiver in Jaden Reed, who had a pretty exceptional year, uh, 53 catches, 946 yards, and eight touchdowns. Uh, so, you know, this was a pretty good team. I watched them a few times. This was this was a good team. They beat uh, they beat Michigan. They beat Penn State, which is going to factor big into uh, bragging rights associated with this game. Uh, obviously, they got their teeth kicked absolutely the whole way down their throats by Ohio State. But you know, who doesn't? Yeah, I think that was just a horrible matchup for them. Ohio State got up big because they can throw it. Michigan State can't defend the pass, uh, and they got down, and Michigan State couldn't catch up. I think that's what we would have saw if we had Kenny Pickett, and I'm still hopeful that we can kind of follow that same game plan with Nick Patty under center leading the charge. So having said all that, uh, what are your predictions for this one? Uh, Give me a final score and a Nick Patty stat line. And if you want to throw in some keys to the game too, we've only got a couple more left of these. Leave it all out on the field. Mm, I think I kind of touched on my keys to the game here. I think Pitt's going to score points uh, no matter how they do it, through the air, on the ground. Our offense is good enough that we're going to put up a lot of points anyway. And I think if we'd have to do a good start, we'll take that uh, run game out of Michigan State's back pocket, force them to play from behind, bada bing, bada boom. Uh, Pitt wins, I say, 38 to 27. Nick Patty stat line? I do think they're going to run it a little bit more. Um, I know Tim Salem is calling the plays, and they're kind of not going to change anything up as far as game plan. Uh, I'll go... 24 for 36, 277 yards, and two touchdown passes. I like it. Well, yeah, I think, you know, I I agree with you. I think they're going to run the ball a little more. I think they're going to make a concerted effort to get Izzy, Vinny, and Rodney the ball early and often. Um, And I think if they have success with it, they'll stick with it. Um, now I, I don't think we're going to put up 45 points like we did in the ACC championship. I think 
you know, the offense will lose a little bit of luster. I think that Big Ten style of play, they're going to try to slow the game down a little bit and might run a few less plays than we would have against some some other teams. Um, I'm going to go close game, 31-27, Pitt Panthers victory, and I think Patty has a has a solid game, nothing crazy. He's going to go 20 for 28, 240 p- passing yards and two touchdowns. Um, but we're going to get we're going to get some help from our running backs. Um, defense is going to play solid, maybe force a turnover or two, and uh, the Panthers will will get out of this season with 12 wins. It's interesting. I I, I think Pitt is going to go into the game trying to run the football uh, to supplement Nick Patty's inexperience. However, I, I do think they'll be forced to air it out. Uh, however, the positive of that is um, I think if Patty even has a slightly above average game, I think we can really, you know, hand it to the Spartans. Uh, I think the rest of the infrastructure of this team is is there that we can we can shut them down on uh, on defense and, and we'll have the offensive weapons necessary um, in order to lift Nick Patty to victory. Uh, so having said that, I think Patty is going to do 305 and three touchdowns. Uh, I think he will be efficient, not spectacular, but efficient. Uh, and I say Pitt takes this one 31-17. A little bit of an ass kicking. Uh, you know, if two touchdowns is an ass kicking, then yeah, yeah, it's an ass kicking. But uh, I, despite the ranks and despite the uh, perception of these two teams, I do really feel like Pitt is the better football team this year. I don't care what the rankings say. I, I think that this team, and by this team, I mean the Spartans, are too well-suited to getting punched in the mouth by the 2021 Pitt Panthers. Pick it or no pick it. I like the sound of that. All aboard the paddy wagon. Thank you for tuning in to the Loyal Sons podcast. Follow us here anywhere you listen to your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the Loyal Sons. We'll see you in Atlanta. I won't physically see you. I'm in COVID protocol. But we'll see you in Atlanta for the Peach Bowl against the Michigan State. I'll see you in Atlanta. As the Pitt Panthers take on the Michigan State Spartans in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. As the Panthers cap off a historic season, Pat Narduzzi, Nick Patty, Jordan Addison, and the rest of them try to grab their 12th and final win of the 2021 season. No better way to cap off a historic year and a great few months. As always, hail Royal Sons of Please win. Please. This is the last time we'll ask until next year. Please win.
Look at the night And it don't seem so lonely We fill it up with only two And when I hurt Hurting runs off my shoulders How can I hurt when holding you? Warm Touching warm Reaching out